Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Ackeson Podcast. Today, an important COVID vaccine cancer alert from Florida Surgeon General and a question about why the government is refusing to launch a giant data collection project at a historic time in the interest of public safety. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One of the most distressing yet probably telling things that's happened in the aftermath of COVID has to do with what the government and our public health and medical establishment have not done. This is a historic time in terms of how fast these experimental vaccines were rolled out, the implementation of them, and of course, the COVID pandemic itself. And there should be all kinds of data being gathered, being required to be gathered at hospitals and doctor's medical offices and health agencies around the country. And yet none of that's happening. The best example of what I'm talking about has to do with the fact that after these experimental and potentially risky vaccines were rolled out with zero evidence, because it doesn't exist, of what happens to people in the long run who've taken one or more of these vaccines, after the vaccines were rolled out, there was no huge effort on the part of the government or anybody in charge to carefully measure in the general population what was happening. And there still isn't. And yet that's the only way and the fastest way that we will be alerted or we are ever alerted to medicine side effects after they are taken by thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people in the general population over a period of time. That's when the side effects that aren't identified in studies begin to show up. It's a very important part of the process to try to track all this. But the government was very hands-off Yes, there is a vaccine adverse event reporting system online that doctors are supposed to use, but they're not using it properly. We know that because most doctors at hospitals and in practices around the country aren't even asking their ill patients or trying to correlate any illnesses that they see with administration of vaccines or, quite frankly, COVID infections in the past. Maybe some are thinking to ask a question, but they're not being required to, and in most cases are not reporting it anywhere. And if you don't report it because you've decided on the front end without evidence that there can't possibly be a connection, then you're never going to have the evidence to show whether there is or not. A reminder that years ago, as an investigative reporter at CBS News, when I broke the news that Viagra can cause blindness in some people... The way I found that out, in addition to some studies that the government wasn't publicizing and that doctors apparently weren't carefully reading, I found that out by looking through the adverse event reports. That's what the government ought to be doing in real time to look for patterns. But today, I think most people would tell you the government, to the extent they monitor these adverse event reports, are looking to find ways to dispel the apparent connections and links, to try to prove there isn't a link rather than to try to detect the links for the public safety. It's sort of an upside-down situation we have because the government has become so conflicted 
They want to protect the industry and the shots and the medicines they promote rather than look out first and foremost for the public safety. That's a hard truth I've realized over the course of a couple of decades of reporting on this type of thing. And I was as surprised as you may be when I first learned what the government was willing to do and how it puts our health in jeopardy on a daily basis because it's hard to imagine that that's the case. And it actually took me a long time and took me seeing a lot of evidence and speaking to a lot of insiders and whistleblowers to understand the fact of the matter. And it was demonstrated in the worst way at the most important time with COVID and the COVID vaccines. But here we have databases ready to be built. And it would be so easy for doctors to be told by the government, I think they should be told, but you could just request it, to enter information into a database so that anytime someone comes in for a visit, they are queried about when they had COVID, if they know it last, when and what vaccines they had, and what symptoms they have today, whether or not anybody has made a connection. The data should be gathered so that it can be put into a huge database and combed through and examined so that we can unearth some of these trends. If this were happening, there would be more people, I think, getting help for the known spike protein illnesses that are coming up now, sometimes months and years later in people, weird illnesses that don't seem like they could be related, whether they had COVID asymptomatically or symptomatically, whether they were sick at the time when they had COVID vaccines or not, millions of people, according to researchers that have been correct about things in the past that I now trust based on their track record, millions of people are having these illnesses pop up or linger And this will continue to happen as people have immunity challenges and maybe their systems become exploited by the impact of the spike protein in both COVID and the COVID vaccines or other things that we don't fully understand. And the symptoms, as I've reported, are so wide ranging. Researchers are now understanding it can be retina detachment, tinnitus in your ears. It could be problems with your throat, your breathing, Stroke and heart attack, of course, we've heard about those sorts of things, but also weakness, paralysis, brain fog, gastric problems, you name it. And there are reasons that it can show up differently in every person's body and biology. If you want to read and hear more about that, you can go to my website, CherylAxon.com, and under the health tab, you will see long COVID, long vax resources. And on that page, I've tried to gather a lot of information and link to my reports and some medical resources that will help explain what they're learning about what's happening in people's bodies months and years later with many researchers, including some I've spoken to in the government who say this sure looks like, talking about COVID, this sure looks like and acts like a bioweapon, the way it's impacting our population. And it's probably, they think, going to be doing so for many years to come, if not generations. But we don't know as much as we should and we could because while independent researchers are trying to piece together what information they can, the government is not, at least in any public organized sense. And the fact that they're not taking advantage of data that is there for the taking, if only they would gather it for practically free, the fact that they're not encouraging this information to be reported and gathered and analyzed on a large scale to help the public at large, I think is a big tell. There are people inside government who understand what that would show and they don't want that information to be revealed or they would gather it. 
The medical establishment ought to be doing this on their own, even if they're not getting the direction from the government, but they too have dropped the ball, perhaps sometimes for reasons of conflicts of interest, but perhaps sometimes because I think the medical establishment has shown it is not proving to be good, critical, and independent thinkers when it comes to novel things like this that are unexpected. They are simply referring to what they're taught in medical school, what the government is telling them, and these agendas are often driven by the pharmaceutical industry, which devises the curriculum and the continuing medical education classes and helps write the textbooks they learn from. So maybe it's no surprise that so many of our doctors have proven not to be great critical thinkers on topics they ought to be curious about. All that having been said, I find a very interesting character is Florida's state surgeon general, Dr. Joseph Ladapo. I've asked him for an interview, by the way, but they've declined. I think he'd be a great interview for my TV show, Full Measure. But he continues to independently do things that you think might ought to be coming from our federal public health agencies, but are not. He and his offices seem to be independently examining some data that's available to them when it comes to COVID and COVID vaccines, and they are issuing reports and warnings and alerts that might be wise for other people to consider, and that's something I'd like to talk about today. Dr. Ladapo recently called for a halt of the use of COVID-19 mRNA vaccines. That's a big and bold move, and it's based not just on sort of a capricious decision that he made, but, well, I'll read you the statement that was put out by his offices so you can hear for yourself how the decision was made. It says, quoting here, on December 6, 2023, State Surgeon General Dr. Joseph A. Ladapo sent a letter to the Food and Drug Administration Commissioner Dr. Robert Califf and CDC Director Mandy Cohen regarding questions pertaining to the safety assessments And here's the key, the discovery of billions of DNA fragments per dose of the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 mRNA vaccines. The Surgeon General, I'm reading from the statement, the Surgeon General outlined concerns regarding nucleic acid contaminants in the approved Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 mRNA vaccines, particularly in the presence of lipid nanoparticle complexes and simian virus 40 promoter enhancer DNA. Continuing on, it says, lipid nanoparticles are an efficient vehicle for delivery of the mRNA in the COVID-19 vaccines into human cells and may therefore be an equally efficient vehicle for delivering contaminant DNA into human cells. The presence of SV40 promoter enhancer DNA may also pose a unique and heightened risk of DNA integration into human cells. In 2007, the FDA published guidance on regulatory limits for DNA vaccines and guidance for industry considerations for plasmid DNA vaccines for infectious disease indications. That's the title of the document they're referring to. In this guidance for industry, says the statement, The FDA outlines important considerations for vaccines that use novel methods of delivery regarding DNA integration. Specifically, DNA integration could theoretically impact a human's oncogenes, the genes which can transform a healthy cell into a cancerous cell. DNA integration, says the statement, may result in chromosomal instability, 
the guidance for industry discusses biodistribution of DNA vaccines and how such integration could affect unintended parts of the body, including blood, heart, brain, liver, kidney, bone marrow, ovaries, testes, lung, draining lymph nodes, spleen, the site of administration, and subcutis, if I'm saying this right, at injection site. Statement continues, on December 14th, 2023, the FDA provided a written response, talking about this letter that the Florida Surgeon General had written, providing no evidence that DNA integration assessments have been conducted to address risks outlined by the DNA themselves back in 2007. Based on the FDA's recognition of unique risks posed by DNA integration, the efficacy of the COVID mRNA vaccine's lipid nanoparticle delivery system, and the presence of DNA fragments in these vaccines, says the statement, it is essential to human health to assess the risks of contaminant DNA integration into human DNA. The FDA has provided no evidence that these risks have been assessed to ensure safety. As such, Florida State Surgeon General Dr. Joseph A. Ladapo has released the following statement. The FDA's response does not provide data or evidence that the DNA integration assessments they recommended themselves have been performed. Instead, they pointed to genotoxicity studies, which are inadequate assessments for DNA integration risk. In addition, they obfuscated the difference between the SV40 promoter enhancer and SV40 proteins, two elements that are distinct. DNA integration poses a unique and elevated risk to human health and to the integrity of the human genome, including the risk that DNA integrated into sperm or egg gametes could be passed off onto offspring of mRNA COVID-19 vaccine recipients. If the risks of DNA integration have not been assessed for mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, these vaccines are not appropriate for use in human beings. Providers concerned about patient health risks associated with COVID-19 should prioritize patient access to non-mRNA COVID-19 vaccines and treatments. It is my hope, says Dr. Ladapo, that in regard to COVID-19, the FDA will one day seriously consider its regulatory responsibility to protect human health, including the integrity of the human genome. In the spirit of transparency and scientific integrity, State Surgeon General Dr. Joseph A. Ladapo will continue to assess research surrounding these risks and provide updates to Floridians. That's a lot of sciencey sounding information, but you can go over it again and read it for yourself if you like by going to CherylAxon.com. And if you don't see it handy, you could just use the search bar to search something like Ladapo, the name of the Surgeon General, L-A-D-A-P-O, or just search Florida State Surgeon General and the story should come up for you with the full statement. But I think something all of this highlights is the notion that if we knew then, meaning at the beginning of all of this, what we know now about COVID vaccines, the risks that they pose to some people, the side effects that they cause, both known and unknown, the fact that they don't prevent transmission or infection, that you have to supposedly have a booster every couple of months and then every year. And even then, they're not guaranteed to prevent transmission or infection or illness and could, by the data's own account, make it more likely that you will get repeat cases of COVID, could make it more likely that you will become sick with other things. The notion that all of this is true 
and the fact that COVID itself is so non-lethal and mild, particularly in healthy people and children, is it really something that we would ever have approved if we knew then what we know now? And is it something that justifies widespread use, knowing what we've uncovered? If you'd been told on the front end that the government wanted you to take a vaccine that had little to no data behind it in terms of track record, no long-term data at all on safety and effectiveness, if you'd known in the beginning that this could potentially increase your risk for heart attack and stroke, that it would not prevent illness, transmission, infection, that you would need to take another booster every three months or so, and it would still not necessarily prevent illness, transmission, or infection. If you knew all of these things, would you have signed up for, hey, yes, I'm going to get you know six or eight shots in the next year and a half to not prevent illness, transmission, or infection, and to possibly have unknown side effects now and in the indefinite future? Maybe, maybe some people would have chosen to do that, but I'll bet a lot of people would not have. And I think with the stats that we now have, I don't think an honest, unconflicted FDA would have put this product on the market and allowed it to be used. That's just based on what I understand of the process. Uh, there are others who probably know more and may differ on that, but based on what I've seen and studied over the past 20 years or so, a product like this with an unconflicted federal government would not have gotten approved. And if that's the case, should it continue to be marketed heavily by the government itself, by the way, to a population that's not likely to get very ill uh, from the disease that it purports to prevent, although it doesn't prevent that disease? A few more thoughts about this after a short break. In this age of a highly controlled media landscape, it's never been more important to fight the heavy hand of censorship and support truly independent journalism. Go to CherylAxon.com and click on the store tab for a great way to do that. There are all kinds of fun and functional products designed specifically for independent and free thinkers like you, featuring slogans like, I tested positive for critical thinking, and I need to find some new conspiracy theories, all my old ones came true. Proceeds support independent journalism causes like the Ion Awards for off-narrative accurate reporting. Go to CherylAckison.com and click the store tab today. I want to encourage everybody to read up and try to get more information on all of this because I think most of us will either be dealing with health issues that have to do with COVID or COVID vaccines for a long time or and will know people who are but may not realize it and the government isn't reaching out to help this population of people. Again, I've done quite a bit of reporting of that on full measure and you can find that at CherylAxon.com under health under long COVID, long vax resources, more information on all of this. But one big takeaway is that fortunately, there are some independent researchers working on this problem who have found ways to successfully treat people who are suffering all kinds of illnesses, lingering illnesses and problems, some of them more serious than others, some of them just sort of chronic, debilitating, weakening things that nag and make them feel like they're never going to be right again, but maybe not killing them in the moment, and then in some instances, very, very serious things that are acute and hurting people, putting them in the hospital and potentially threatening their life in an immediate sense. These things 
can be successfully treated. The trick is finding a doctor who understands, has read the right literature, has opened their mind like a scientist who has appropriate inquiry and curiosity in their mind. And those are a little bit hard to come by. A lot of people are going to doctors and hospitals with illnesses that nobody's asking the question about COVID or COVID vaccines. They're not providing the right treatments, which are a little bit different, sometimes a lot different than what you would normally get for those symptoms. Um, They don't even understand the tests to give, so they're giving tests that may show things are perfectly normal or not show what's wrong with somebody because they don't even understand the type of test that will diagnose some of these illnesses that seem so mysterious. And this is very powerful to me in my reporting because I now know quite a few people who have come down with mystery illnesses or illnesses that were attributed to other things who for one reason or another were able to be diagnosed by someone who understands this post-COVID environment, who have gotten help after going to all kinds of reputable doctors and institutions that couldn't help them or sometimes dismissed them or brushed them off or told them they were fine or told them they had something else wrong with them, but were able to get help when they saw the right doctor that's been studying these post-COVID and post-COVID vaccine syndromes. They've had remarkable recovery and success And for me to personally know so many people that this is true for makes me think that there are millions of people out there that are going to need this kind of help. So we should spread the word. And maybe the best place of all to start would be with the town hall, if you're interested. The town hall that I did on this subject called the COVID clots. I'm afraid that might be a little misleading for people because they may not understand that the illnesses they have are related to clots because no one's told them that. And maybe they don't understand, and I certainly didn't, how a vision problem could be related to microclots or a clot problem that's undiagnosed by your doctor or that he won't see with a regular test, or why a stomach problem could be related to COVID and COVID vaccine-related clots, or why tinnitus in your ears, hearing issues, um, why all these things could be related, suddenly passing out, strokes, seizures, feeling weak losing your thoughts, you know, sort of brain fog, all of these things, so many different symptoms, just anything unusual could be related to this. And there are ways to find out. It's not sort of a cry in the dark where someone's guessing and just saying, oh, all of this could be attributed to the spike protein from COVID or COVID vaccine. There are ways they can conduct tests and measure for this specifically. So if you're interested or you know someone who might be, you could start with the town hall, the COVID clots, where this is discussed in an hour-long broadcast. And again, to find that, you can just click on CherylAckison.com. Under the health tab, you will see the long COVID, long vax resources. And you just go into that page. There's a lot of information there, including that town hall. You just click on it and watch it. I've also done a couple of podcasts with some experts uh, talking about even more in-depth, the iliac vein problems that are causing people issues after COVID and COVID vaccine, that could be anything from making your muscles tense to paralysis to making you so tired you can't get out of bed to making your legs feel heavy, all kinds of things with that too. Very interesting and news that you may be able to use someday. So I hope this is some value to you. (laughs) 
Introducing Whipped Seafoam Body Butter by Sirene Cosmetics. Hi, I'm Star, owner of the Lemonade Mermaid. Enriched with the nourishing powers of cocoa butter, mango butter, and shea butter, our body butter whisks you away to a world of deep hydration. Experience the essence of the sea with every application as this whipped delight leaves your skin refreshed, replenished, and ready to conquer the day. Visit thelemonademermaid.com and make your skin sing with the magic of the sea. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that if you did, you'll leave us a great review, subscribe, and share it with your friends. Check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours. And now you can support independent journalism causes by visiting CherylAckeson.com and clicking on the store tab. There are some thought-provoking and fun products designed exclusively for independent and free thinkers like you, such as products with the slogan, I need to find some new conspiracy theories. All my old ones came true. Proceeds benefit independent reporting causes. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.